in the new age, they give you all these titles and all this power and authority that are really not theirs to give and are really not yours at all either. In the new age, I felt powerful and the girl who had been assaulted found comfort in knowing that I created my own reality and I got to decide what comes next and I got to be the, the writer of all of this. I found so much comfort in that moment because I had lost so much of my control. I felt like everything had been taken from me, but in the new age, I felt like I got it back. Growing up, I grew up in the Catholic Church, so I was pretty faithful. My family was there every Sunday. We never missed uh, a Mass. And I was in catechism, so like Sunday school, and I was able to learn about all of like the sacraments and what God desires of his people and kind of just like Bible. And I just remember I loved reading the Bible. I used to carry my children's Bible everywhere with me. I would read it in the car. Even though I would get really carsick when I would read, I would still read it in the car. And I remember listening to worship music and just loving, praising God. I just remember God being such a joyful little piece in my life and just being like continuously trying to seek him and like in his presence. And I remember being like a really little kid and in the Catholic church, there's like Lent and there's fasting and little kids aren't really supposed to fast. But I would like bug my mom all the time. I'm like, can I do it? Can I do it? Like, let me fast. And I would give up like meat for 40 days or like TV. And I'm like in fifth grade, you know, and I was always just giving stuff up because I just, I, I'd want wanted to do something that would make me and God like closer. And I just didn't know what it would take, but I was willing to do all of it. Wow. Now you have a really powerful testimony and I'm so excited to get to it. Um, I think the best place to start is with your life before Jesus. And obviously even with right now you share, right? Like there was a tug that was happening early on, but obviously something kind of took you away. So if you could just start us off with what happened in your life before Jesus. So before Jesus, I remember being around six or seven, and there was a friend of mine. Uh, she was about my age, a year older than me, and she would come over from time to time. And I remember that eventually I ended up being sexually abused by her. And this abuse kind of didn't look like abuse, so I didn't have the words for it at the time because she introduced it to me like a game. So this game just, you know, progressed to be something very sexual, very inappropriate. And I eventually took the game and began to share it with other kids, um, not really knowing that it was wrong. But something in me really, after those encounters, just made me feel dirty and ashamed and broken and Eventually, I kind of like erased the part of my mind that realized that it had happened to me first. And I just kind of assumed that I went out of my way, like in my own like wickedness in my own head to go do it to other kids. I began to look at myself like a monster and like I was just, you know, really just dirty in my head. And that's how I felt all the time. I just felt so unclean and just so dirty. So... I began to kind of like push people away. And even as a young kid, I was very um, angry. I was very angry and I was very distrustful. And for a long time, I never admitted what had happened to me. So I didn't have a pinpoint for those emotions. I was just the mad kid, you know? And as I got older, the effects of the abuse didn't go away, even though the memories had. So I started to become very like hypersexual and I started to experiment with other kids in my classroom primarily like females. I found around when I was like eight or nine that I was more inclined to be attracted to females. And it was just this overwhelming feeling that I would go home, I'd have dreams about girls, like they would be very sexual in nature. I would talk with these girls, I would go to like sleepovers and we would touch, it was things like that. This feeling made me feel just even worse. 
I remember just feeling dirty all the time. And at the time, like I knew what gay people were. Like my mom had kind of talked to me about it. Like God loves gay people, but he doesn't like the sin. And that didn't comfort me at all. In fact, I just felt worse. Like God doesn't like me. That's what I heard when I was a child. And I couldn't understand why I was attracted to women, but I just knew like this thought like is going to tear me away from God. So I kind of like buried it deep in me again, and I didn't really admit to any of that. So growing up, I was very sad. I was very depressed. And my parents actually ended up putting me in therapy just because of how angry and volatile I was as a kid. And they just didn't really understand why I was the way I was. Around that time, I began to get like diagnosed with things like OCD and depression just because I felt dirty all the time. So because of the abuse that had happened, I was obsessed with being clean. So I began to do things that would try to sate that cleanliness. And I was always washing my hands. I was overly like showering. Like it was just, I was just trying to feel clean because something in me just felt so dirty and it showed like I was tormented every day and my parents were really, really concerned. So they uh, had put me in therapy. As I got older, nobody really knew like what to do with me. They were just like, she's a difficult child. That's just what she deals with. Those are her quirks. My mom used to tell me is like, I felt God still in the picture, but I think there were certain things that began to remove how much I trusted him. And the abuse like weared away a little bit at that trust. And then when I'm like in middle school, I'm coming out as gay at this point as bisexual. So then I'm like, mm, well, God doesn't like me anyways. Like I'm gay. You know, there's nothing else I could do to be in his good graces. So then it was like something else in me felt like God was already turning his face. By the time I got to high school, my sophomore year of high school, I was 15 there was a bully that I had who ended up beating me up like in a classroom. And this bullying didn't stop. Like it just increased and it would follow me outside of school into my workplace. It followed me every hallway I'd walk down. Like there was people making comments, looking at me types of way, other people threatening me. And it was just this torment that made me want to shrink within myself. And it made me just want to like disappear and just not be seen ever. I just felt like, how was I ever going to get through this if nobody was there for me? And in that time, I felt abandoned. I felt abandoned by like my parents. I felt abandoned by like the teachers. They never did anything. They didn't stand up for me. The administration didn't seem to care that I was being bullied. Like nobody stood up for me. And at that point, I began to question God because where are you? I'm over here. I'm hurting. It's not even just like emotional hurt at this point. I'm physically being hurt by others. Why are you not here? And I had been taught about this God who loves us, but this God didn't seem to be someone who loved if he was okay with what I was going through. And around this time, because I felt so abandoned, I was looking for comfort. And in searching for comfort, I began to experiment with drugs. And I remember this was the time that I began to drink and smoke. And at this point, I had already started diving into like pills like Xanax and Percocets. And I'm in high school and I was just miserable. I just wanted comfort. I was reaching for anything. And I looked for comfort in everything that offered itself like some sort of escape. That also included boys. So then I had a relationship that came into my life. And at the time, it felt like everybody hated me. It felt like nobody would ever want to be with me. I already felt dirty. I felt worthless. And then all of this bullying happening, I felt like nobody was ever going to be able to love me. And then this dude comes in the picture. He just kind of becomes my world. And he becomes that safe space. And he becomes the thing I'm searching for. 
before and suddenly, you know, kids won't pick on me as much when he's around and I'm just safe. I felt really, really safe there. So that's where I stuck around. And as that relationship started, we started dating when I was 15. We were like about a year in and I found out that he had been cheating on me and that he had been unfaithful. And I stayed with him because again, this thought that was just consistently in the back of my mind was that I was not good enough. And that if I left him, I was never going to find anybody that was going to love me. So I just stayed around and I was like, you know what? I'm convinced like if I can just stick around, I can stick through this. And he ended up being somebody that I lost my virginity to. So at that point, like in my mind, I'm like, this is the person. This is my, like, he's my future husband. Like I was taught growing up that you're not supposed to have sex with people outside of marriage. So doing that with him kept me bound to somebody who was not God's will for me. Moving forward, like with him, we dated all through high school. So it was the senior year of high school. By the end, the relationship shifted. It became very, very aggressive. This was the time that he began to kind of control me a lot more. He got to decide what I would wear, who I would hang out with where I could go or if I was allowed to go at all. And kind of breaking one of those rules could get me in a lot of trouble. Then he began to actually physically hit me. And there ended up being one experience that was the worst one. It had been like years at this point of like just the arguing, the cheating, the, you know, the fighting. And it was a fight that ended up so bad. We were on the side of the road. And I remember he had grabbed me and he had like pulled me to the floor. And I remember he began to choke me and we're on the side of the road, but it's like an incline. So the guardrails are up at the top and we were at the bottom of the hill and at the bottom of the hill, there was a river, but you wouldn't know unless you were down there. And I remember as he choked me, I looked up at the guardrails and I was thinking, this is the last thing I'm ever going to see. I remember thinking he's going to kill me down here and nobody's ever going to find my body. And I remember just that was was the first time I had ever been so close to death. And I was just like, I don't know what to do now. And eventually he let me go and somebody ended up calling the police and stuff. And eventually I, I made my way home. But that night, I just didn't know what to do. I didn't think I could just go home and pretend anymore. To that point, nobody knew about the abuse. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't know the extent of that relationship. So I didn't know how I was supposed to go into work the next morning and just smile at everybody. I didn't know how I was supposed to, you know, eat breakfast with my family and just be okay because I wasn't okay. That night I decided, you know what, I'm going to just end it because I'm just done. And so I went to like a secluded place. I had like a lot of different options and ideas, but I ended up overdosing or trying to at least. And when I ended up in the hospital, it was the same feelings of shame and just disappointment. Just like, why can't I do anything right? It was just this letdown of I'm just always in the wrong. And because of my attempt, the hospital can't just let you go. They have to admit you. So I was admitted to a psychiatric hospital and you have to stay there minimum for 72 hours before they can let you go just to make sure that you're safe. While I was in the hospital, I ended up spending two weeks there. And in the hospital, a part of like the healing mechanisms that they have there, they have a lot of tools like dance and art. Um, one of the things they had there was yoga. So in the lowest point of my life, I began to be introduced to kind of new age practices. There was a woman there who was suffering as well. She began to speak and she just seemed to be one of the most intelligent women I had ever met. She told me about a lot of her life experiences and she just told me about what she had learned thus far and where she found her supernatural encounters. And she would speak to me of this ohm and um, 
yogic practices because she was a certified yoga instructor and she would speak to me of all these encounters with the om how this light would come into her room while she was meditating and how she began to be in a meditative state so long that she could like hold her breath and it felt like hours that she wasn't breathing you know because she was surviving off of this life force called like prana so she just began to throw all these terms and these things at me that in that time i was like wow, like that's really, really interesting. It began to stir this hunger in me that was like, hmm, I wonder what she's talking about. And she actually led us through certain like meditative trances like yoga nidra while we were there. And leaving, I felt like I had a whole new like perspective on life. I remember for sure that was when I threw God away. I had been stopped going to church, but that was the point where I was like, I don't know what I believe, but I know it's not the God of the Bible. And coming out of that hospital, um, life didn't get better on the outside. As soon as I got out, I was high again. But now I was doing my own drugs, but I also had all of the medications that they put me on in the hospital. I was on antipsychotics. I was on mood stabilizers. I was on uh, anger medicine, anti-anxiety like medicine, things like that. And so I was kind of just trying to suppress everything. So it was around December 2019 that I began to fall deeper into depression and anxiety that I was trying to cope from with the last relationship and the things that had happened that I turned to something a little harder and I began to do cocaine. And from there, it just seemed like my life just got worse and worse and worse. I ended up getting kicked out of my house. While I was kicked out of my house, I ended up being arrested. I ended up moving in with a girlfriend of mine and then getting kicked out of that place as well, you know, kind of moving, living out of my car at points. And it all just proved to be really chaotic. And then the pinnacle of it all, COVID came and then I lost my job too. So it was like everything just stacked on top of everything. And it was just like, what? It, why have I been dealt such a bad card? Without a job, I had no structure. So I was really left to my own devices, trying to fill like all the idle time in my day. And so I began to party and I began to hang out with like a new group of people. And they introduced me to harder drugs like ecstasy and molly. I began to do shrooms in order to try to heal from like the past stuff because that's what they introduced shrooms as, is like a healing mode. I started to drink very heavily in that time, almost to blackout like every night just because I, I wanted to just quiet it all. And during that point of like binge drinking and just being really, really lost, I ended up being raped by one of the guys that would be at these parties. And I think that was when like my life came to a full stop was because I could not grasp how life could be so evil. I could not comprehend the depth of like the wickedness down here. And that was when I really started searching because I was like, there has to be a purpose for all of this. I can't just live and be here and just think it's for nothing like there has to be something and I began to to search for that something and because I had done shrooms it had opened me up to like alternate spiritualities and with the opening up of my eyes or my spiritual eyes in that way I began to dive into crystal healing first in crystal healing they teach you kind of things like if you carry a certain crystal it will bring around certain effects so I was looking for peace so I was always carrying crystals that would calm me because after the assault 
I began to have panic attacks where I would kind of like leave my body and I would be gone for hours and I would be triggered by the littlest thing, but I, I couldn't be touched and I couldn't be reached. People would try to like get my attention and I just wouldn't be there because I would just have disappeared because of how traumatic that was for me. I was just reaching out for any type of healing. And that's when I got into like saging my room to get rid of those evil energies that were tormenting me. And I began to look deeper, you know, just into um, tarot cards, readings online. Like, what do I have to do? Where's my inner child wound or what's the soul wound that I'm avoiding? How do I heal this? And I just began reaching and reaching and reaching. And the thing about the new age is that it's very um, deep that if you keep walking, you'll always find something new. So I always found something new to sate the piece of me that still didn't feel satisfied. At that point, I began to use acid as well. And using acid opened my head up to a whole different level of witchcraft because at first it was very unconscious witchcraft. It was very just rebellion, but I didn't understand the level of it. When I started to drop acid, that's when I entered into the realm of I know full well what I'm operating in and I'm okay with it. And that's when I really started to step into uh, light magic and or white magic, light magic, light worker, uh, the title of light worker being somebody who's been charged with bringing the earth to a higher reality, you know. So in the new age, they give you all these titles and all this power and authority that are really not theirs to give and are really not yours at all either. And so in the new age, I felt powerful. And the girl who had been assaulted found comfort in knowing that I created my own reality and I got to decide what comes next. And I got to be the, the writer of all of this. I found so much comfort in that moment because I had lost so much of my control. I felt like everything had been taken from me. But in the new age, I felt like I got it back. And now, before you move from there, quick question, two questions. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one, how old were you when all of this was happening, when you were uh, experimenting with uh, New Age witchcraft? 18. 18. And what did everybody around you think about this? Like, what were you hearing around, like, the people around? Obviously, clarify for me if this was something that was public. Did people know that you were doing this? And the people that didn't know, what were they telling you? It was public. I was very um, outward with it. Um, I used to say that I was like an evangelist for the new age because I would teach people all the time. I would come into contact and I would let them know like, hey, don't you know your Bible's been lying to you and here's mm. the truth. And people were always very kind and receptive to what I had to say. Everybody that heard me talking about the new age wanted to get into some parts. I know that there are multiple people that I had kind of led to the new age. Even to this day, they still practice new age practices because of how I would like explain it to them. I never had anybody be negative about it. Everyone was like, oh, wow, like that really makes sense. And I think it's because the new age begins to address questions mm. that the church does not. And because of that, things that people have always had as questions and they're always like, well, I've always wondered why this is a thing or what connects these two things. The new age begins to bring those answers. And so people were always just receptive of the knowledge and the wisdom that seemed very spiritual, but was really earthly in nature. So Jessica, talk to me about that moment that the Lord began to reveal himself to you again, and he began to um, really expose everything around you. It was a process. It wasn't like an overnight thing. Originally, I was being taught in the new age that Jesus was an ascended master and that he was like a spirit guide you could call on. 
So one day I decided because I was working on my heart chakra to call on the one spirit guide or ascended master that I knew was known for his compassion. So I called on Jesus. And when I called on Jesus to enter my heart and to fix my heart and to teach me, everything began to change after that. The tarot cards no longer made sense. The uh, crystals didn't work. It, it just felt like there was something so wrong deep in my soul. It felt like everything went downhill in new age. I no longer felt like really powerful or really, um, I felt confused. I felt like for the first time that I might be wrong. I remember there was one night that I had gone to bed and I was drunk and high. And I remember waking up in the middle of the night in like a cold sweat and there's like tears pouring down my face. I don't know if I saw something or if I had a dream or what, but my soul was terrified. And I remember calling out for a God that I didn't even believe existed. And I just began to pray. And the only prayers I knew at the time were like those Catholic prayers. So I, I just prayed like the Our Father. And I remember falling back asleep. And then the next morning when I woke up, I went to the bathroom and I was caught off guard by the mirror because I didn't see myself as this powerful, you know, light worker, this witch anymore. I saw myself as broken and I saw myself as just, I feel like how God had seen me or like the reality of who I was. And I was weak. I was frail. I needed help. I was in need of a savior. And I just saw myself like that. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror and kind of asking out loud, well, what do I do now? I had no idea where to go from them. I had built my whole life on new age. What was I supposed to do? And then I heard his voice and he just said, follow me. And when he said that, I was like, you know what? Wherever you're taking me is better than where I've been. So I just started to follow him. And that's where I've been ever since is just walking after him. Talk to me about that moment. Um, when you say you heard a voice, right? Was this audibly, was this just something inside of you that you were like, I know this is God. Could you just describe a little bit more? Because that's amazing, right? Uh, you hear something and it completely changes your life. But for people who have never heard that, or who don't know about that, um, just tell us a little bit more about that moment. It wasn't an audible voice. It was definitely internal, but it was so loud and so clear that it felt like there was somebody standing right next to me who would have said it. And I didn't know at the time, like I couldn't have told someone like, yeah, that was Jesus. But in my heart, I knew like this was the truth calling me. Yeah. And looking back, I can say with confidence, like that was the Holy Spirit definitely drawing me in to himself. Yeah. I remember you also telling me about when you saw yourself, it was a brokenness that you saw. Um, talk to me a little bit about more about what the Lord began to even reveal to you in that moment and in the moments to come of the life that you had been living. What did he begin to speak to you? Physically, I was really sick because at that time, my addiction had reached like a peak where I was not eating, but I was taking Adderall every day. I was doing Coke every day. I was mixing, drinking. I was not eating at all. So I had lost 20 pounds and I was physically like skin and bones. I looked very, very sick. Mentally, I had been lying to myself and I had been putting up this facade that I had found the answers and I was leading all these people to the answers, you know, but I had no clue what I was even talking about. Like I was so lost and that's what he was showing me was that I didn't know anything at all. In fact, I knew nothing. 
And for somebody who prided themselves on their intelligence and their ability to understand the spiritual, to come to a place where it's like, you've actually learned nothing at all, kind of shattered me. Like I really had gotten to a point where I thought I was God. And that's what they teach you in the new age is like that we are gods. So I had gotten to a point where I thought I was the one in control and I thought I was the one who deserved worship. And I thought I was the one who was above all things. And when God encountered me in that moment, it was extremely humbling because it was like, you're not in control because if you were in control, you wouldn't be suffering the way that you are. You wouldn't be addicted. You wouldn't be depressed. You wouldn't be unable to change your circumstances, but you are completely stuck. And in that moment, it was like, you have to admit that you're not God. And it, yeah, it was very, very humbling. So Jessica, talk to me about your life after Jesus. You now had this moment where you encounter his voice and you know that he's real and he's calling you. What happened after? How did that relationship begin to build? So immediately it was like, buy a Bible. I had never wanted to read a Bible, even when I was like teaching against the Bible. I never read it. I was just, you know, talking out of my own flesh. But something in me was like, you have to buy a Bible. You have to buy a Bible. So I immediately on Amazon, I was like, Bible, like, where do I get one? I had it sent to me. And I think I began to read it like as soon as I got it. And when I began to read some of like the beginning um, chapters do talk about like divination and sorcery and the arts of magic and how God hates it. And within three days, I began to throw out my tarot cards and I began to throw out my oracle cards and my crystals. And I felt this like, ew, like I don't want any part of darkness. And the fact that I even tolerated that for so long, like it was a complete 360. Like it was just like, what was I doing? So God just began to convict me of the witchcraft pretty initially, like as uh, our relationship grew. Then he began to address like my behavior. So I was still smoking and I was still doing drugs at the time. And he began to address the drugs. He was like, this needs to stop. I didn't think I had the power. And, you know, I was like, God, what about the withdrawals? Like, I don't want to do that. And he just promised to take care of me. And I remember as I was trying to quit the stuff, it just became more and more easily accessible. It was like, God, something does not want me to quit. It's just, I've never had so much access to this stuff. How are you going to tell me to quit in a time when it's freely available? And he just proved himself faithful because he gave me the strength one day to just say no when everyone around me was doing it. And he just gave me the strength to say no. And after that, I never did it again. And I never went through withdrawal and I never struggled physically because of putting that substance down. It just progressed of him like peeling layer after layer off. So first he dealt with the harder drugs and then he got to like my locations, like where I was going out. I was still going out to the clubs at the time. I had encountered Jesus, but I was still, you know, hanging out at these places. And I began to see into the spirit that those places had um, much worse consequences than I think I was aware of. And he began to remove me from those scenarios. And friends that I would have hung out with, he began to pull me out of those areas. And uh, spaces I used to be at all the time, he used to just pull me out. And I became separated. And at first it was kind of like lonely because I was like, God, like I'm a party girl. Like I just, I'm used to being outside all the time. And he like sat me up in my house and... And what did everybody around you think as this was happening, as you're removing yourself and your life is beginning to go in a different direction? 
there was a lot of mocking. There was a lot of, mm, yeah, okay. Which is weird because when I was in new age spirituality, everyone was like, oh yeah, she's so cool, like woke. But then when I began to talk about Jesus to them and tell them we need to get our lives right, mm. then it was like, you're not, you know, get out of the party, you know, kind of mm. thing. Uh, like you're killing the vibe. And it was discouraging because people that I was around that were my friends disappeared the second I put the drugs down. They disappeared the second I said I wasn't going out to the clubs anymore. And, you know, people you knew weren't really your friends, but it still hurt because that's who I had surrounded myself with. So it was kind of discouraging, but there was something on the inside of me that was like, I don't care. I'm going to keep walking towards the voice that I heard. So after God had done a lot of cleansing and purging of my life, he began to add to the things that he wanted to see in my life. One of those things happened at a service that I had gone to. And when I had gone to this service, they had asked if anyone, you know, wanted to rededicate their life to Christ. And I was like, oh, that's nice. You know, a lot of people walked up to the uh, altar and I was like, oh, that's great for them. And I'm sitting like on the hood of the car, we're outside. And I began to feel like this, something physically pushing me off of the hood of the car, like go up, like that's for you. And I was like, no. And then the pastor at the front, he won't move on. He's like, no, there's somebody else. And he just begins to wait. And I'm just sitting there like, yeah, who else needs to go? And a couple more people go up. So I'm just like, okay, he's going to move on. And the pastor's like, nope, there's still somebody else. And I was like, okay. And I know the Holy Spirit is telling me to go, but I'm just like, nope, I'm not going up there. And then one of the people who were sitting next to me, they looked over at me and they were like, is he talking to you? And I was like, okay, Holy Spirit, I hear you. I'm going to go up. So when I went up, they began to pray uh, for me. And the woman who prayed for me, she prayed that I would receive the gift of tongues. And in that moment, I know that I was filled with the Holy Spirit and with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And growing up Catholic, I had never seen anyone speak in tongues. I had never heard it. That pastor at that church, nobody spoke in tongues the whole service. Like, I didn't even know what it was, but by faith, she prayed for me and I received it. So it was very foreign, but it felt very like pure. And I had done a lot, you know, in witchcraft and knowing the demonic, but this just was something so different. That was the like sustaining or the launching power I needed that in the months when I first had the encounter, I don't think I had it. And because of that, I, I did feel like I, I faltered or I heard the voice, but maybe not in the fullness that I, I could have. And once I was filled with the Holy Ghost, it was like this entire shift. I began to fast and I began to pray and I just began to dive deeper into the things of God. And I was just on fire. I remember I came home and my parents were still very Catholic, but I began to like testify to them of the of the goodness of God. And mind you, I was the kid they were like kicking out of the house because I wouldn't put the drugs down. And now I'm coming back to tell them about Jesus and how he's real and how I'm sober and we have to worship God. And, you know, it, it did come up with like a lot of contentions in the house just because how I believed was different from how they believed. But it was just this intense like, well, then I have to fast for them. I have to pray for them. And something in me was just like, I'm a fast and I'm a pray. And I began to like fast and pray for deliverance for my family because I, um, and I didn't really know what that was, but God began to lead me to certain like YouTubers that were explaining the topic. And I remember I was actually led to a certain YouTuber's map 
And they had ministers in the area on the map that were doing deliverance. And at the time, there were only two churches on there. And one of the churches was Nova Hub. And I saw that on the screen. And I remember trying to pray about it. And I was like, God, should I go to this? And the voice I heard was not God, but it was like, no, that's not real. And I was like, okay, you're right. And I stayed away from it because I was just very weary after coming out of witchcraft. I didn't know like what was still a part of it. So later I had a friend who had visited the church and was like, no, like they're actually legit. And he actually brought me to church one day. And up to this point, I had left the drugs behind, but now I was tormented. And every waking moment of my day was like, why are you not high? I know where you can get some. We need to go get high. And it was just consistent all the time. I miss it. I miss it. I miss it. I miss it. And it was driving me literally crazy. It was terrible. And when I got to Nova Hub that day, I remember walking into the front door and all they were doing was singing. They were just worshiping. And in that moment, I heard the voices in my head, not as my own voice, which is how I usually heard them, but I heard it as something separate. And it was like, why would you bring us here to torment us? And I was like, where am I at? Like, I was so confused at that point because it was just like, what are you talking? Like, am I making this up? And when I walked in the door, they were just singing and, you know, worshiping. And at the time I had been building my own like little relationship with God. So I was fasting and I had even asked God, you know, if I need deliverance, what do I need deliverance from? And he led me to a passage in Judges, you know, and when I came to the church, they began to preach on the same passage he had led me to. So I was just seeing like little pieces of the supernatural, but in God this time. And all the things that I had grown up with, with God being not very present and the gifts not being present, I was seeing him do away with that. So I I saw him, you know, come with tongues. And then I was seeing him like show up like in fasting. I would have visions and I would see spiritual. I don't know what I was seeing. I I feel like it was Jesus, but or an angel. I couldn't tell you. But um, then I was seeing, you know, the miracle workings of deliverance. And it was like this whole world of Christianity that I had never known. I didn't I had never looked at a Christian to be powerful in the spirit, but walking into this church and seeing people who were equipped to do the work of God, but not just in word, but in power, I was like, this is something I need. And I remember being a little prideful because I didn't want to go to church just because like, I was like, God, me and you have done this for the last six months, you know, by myself. Like, why do I have to get into a body? But he really ministered to me the importance of community and being one with the body of Christ and getting to a place where I could lean on my brothers and sisters in Christ. So since then, I've been at Nova Hub and at Nova Hub, I've been able to begin to serve in ministry as well on the dance ministry. And even just learning through dance, I've been able to one get to a point where I'm very joyful my mental clarity like is very sound I used to suffer from depression all the time but in worship I feel like that's broken off of me where I'm never depressed I don't ever get to a point where I'm hopeless which is where I used to exist I never thought that joy was possible and even like learning in dance ministry how to worship through the warfare and understanding like one bad day isn't the end of it all you know it's just a season it's just a night but joy does come in the morning you know and knowing that I can serve and add to the house of God like it was just everything that I had been searching for All the abandonment I felt from the time in high school, I felt God replacing it with a community who I knew wouldn't hurt me. And at first I was kind of really scared to like be in here. I used to sit by the the door and I would leave really quick because I was so scared of being in groups of people because I used to get physically hurt 
But now God has me like really tighten it with a lot of the people here that I look at a lot of them like family. And I had never felt that way about like any type of people. And even my home life, God has restored that completely as well. I went from being kicked out of the house and my parents and me not having any relationship, me feeling like I was abandoned by them to him completely restoring it. And I see my mom as one of my best friends and my best friend to the point like, I was able to share with her some of the abuse that had happened to me in the past. And when I spoke to her, I think I expected her to look at me the way I had looked at myself, very disappointed and very ashamed. But all she told me was that she loved me. And it was like coming full circle, like that all that I was scared of and all that I had gone through trying to reject God and his love Like I saw it mirror like with my mom, like I had spent all this time rejecting her and trying to avoid her, but all she wanted to give me was love. And it was the same way with God was all he was trying to get to me was love. But I just, because of what I had gone through as a child, I had built up this wall saying I was not good enough or deserving enough or, you know, I wasn't worthy enough for the love of God. But it was only after I came to Christ that I realized that it was nothing that I did. It was only after like hearing the gospel for real for the first time that I was like, oh, it's because of what Jesus did that makes me worthy and makes me redeemed. I don't have to, you know, lay up before him all the things that I did. He's already forgotten about it and it's already washed away. So there's been a lot of restoration that he's done and a lot of healing and even getting me to a point of like forgiveness for all of my abusers, my ex-boyfriend, even like the man who assaulted me to a point where it's like I pray for them and I pray for them to know Jesus. And that was something in the new age couldn't even do. In the new age, I was resentful and I was angry and sure I would, you know, do positive vibes, but I was always focused on trying to fix myself. I never got to a point in the new age where I was like, I pray these blessings for this person. I want this person to reach enlightenment. I I was never focused on them. I was always just focused on what I have to do in order to heal. But when I came to God, it was like, no, the reason those people hurt me was because they didn't know Jesus's love either. So I got to a point where I began to pray for their restoration and I began to pray for their, you know, forgiveness and asking God to, you know, not look at what they did to me, but really just get them to a point where they would be introduced to his love as well. Because I know that anyone who comes into true contact with God's love would never do stuff like that, you know? So it's definitely a huge shift in the way I see people. I'm not angry anymore. I used to live my whole life angry and bitter and just resentful, but I'm at a point now where God has shown me that his love for people is unconditional and he's taught me how to love people that way as well. And it's just so much more fulfilling being able to love people and see the best in them and see what God sees in them versus always judging them and tearing them down and just expecting the worst because of what I had experienced. So really he freed me from all that I experienced in the past so that I can openly receive all that he has for me now. Jessica, who is Jesus to you? Jesus is my savior and my best friend. A savior because no matter what I was involved in and no matter how far, how bad my case looked, he was never intimidated by what I was doing. He was never with his nose up, like looking at me like she's too far gone. In fact, he looked at me and he was like, well, that's mine and I'm going to pursue her. Mm. He pulled me out of everything, even things that you know, doctors told me I would deal with my whole life, like my mental illness, he pulled me out of all of it. And I could have never done anything up to this point, like even just living, I could have never done any of it without him. So he really, he saved me from myself just as much as he saved me from the world. 
for anybody who's watching your testimony right now that may be involved with witchcraft, or maybe they know somebody who is involved in witchcraft and they have a heart for them, what can you tell to those people watching? Nine times out of 10, witchcraft is a symptom of somebody who's really hurt. So if you're in witchcraft, I understand that you've been hurt, but all of the healing that you're looking for, all of the chasing you're doing can come to an end when you look at Jesus and when you trust him. And for people who are praying for people in witchcraft, I know it's easy sometimes to just pray that the witchcraft stops, but really you should be praying that their soul would be restored. Because what I needed was not people, you know, looking at me like I was doing something wrong. I needed them to see that my heart was wounded and I was just trying to heal it myself instead of letting God do it. I would also just let people in witchcraft know that it doesn't matter how far into witchcraft that you've gone, it doesn't mean that you're too far from God or that you've done the unredeemable thing. It doesn't mean that God hates you either. He's willing to get his hands dirty in order to pick you up. Jessica, any last words? I feel like it's cliche, but God loves you. And I say that with like a lot of weight because the one thing I was searching for in everywhere that I went was love. And the only place that I found it is in Christ. And I wish I would have been able to tell like my younger self that she didn't have to give herself away or that she didn't have to put herself in these situations in the name of trying to scramble up just a little bit of love. God has an unconditional amount, like an overwhelming, overflowing amount of love reserved just for you. And you don't have to beg anybody for it. So I would say for people that are struggling or people that are in these lower situations, like you don't have to beg for love. God wants to give it to you. That's it.